This is episode 61 of the Wilderness Levels podcast. On this episode, my guest is Chris Schultz. I can't say enough good things about Chris. He's a phenomenal bow hunter, a great dude, and an excellent father. Just, just an all-around great human being. This podcast is brought to you by Kafaru International, the toughest hunting gear on the planet, bar none. Frontiersman gear, high quality, completely custom, handmade knives made in the heart of the peace country. And as always, we're brought to you by Just Shooting Arrows, BC's premier archery shop. We should give people an introduction here. I'm going to cut a bit of that off the front of this uh, when we were talking goatee stuff, because some of that is not not good public record. But uh, <laughs> you're uh, uh, who are you? What do you do? And how did you get started being one of the best bow hunters on Earth? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name's Chris Schultz. I live in central BC and uh, I'm, uh, I'm actually a mechanic in Prince George, so that keeps me busy for most of the year. Um, as far as getting started in hunting and whatnot, I, uh, I, would, I definitely grew up in a hunting family. Um, it wasn't something that we really had the opportunity to do a ton of my dad was kind of like a typical interior moose hunter go out on the weekend, you know, a couple weekends a year and see what's walking around from the truck and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't get to, to go out a ton. Um, so then it kind of just evolved from there. Like I always had this passion for it. And, and then as, as a, uh, I got an older brother who's a couple of years older. And as we, you know, got into our teen years and started driving, we started, uh, you know, being able to go and try some of this stuff ourselves. So a lot of it was somewhat self-taught, you know, we just kind of winged it back then and didn't really know what we were doing and <laughs> made a pile of mistakes along the way. And then, you know, eventually started having some success and, uh, um yeah it's been a it's been a cool journey for sure it was all that was done kind of pre-internet and everything so there was there wasn't a ton of information out there back there as far as you know even how to gut a a deer or a moose or whatever so it was a lot of you know reading books or or you know hunting magazines and stuff like that um and then, yeah, I don't know the archery thing. It was just, that was kind of a, one of those things that, you know, as a little kid, I had a little fiberglass bow and arrow and I launch arrows in the backyard from since I can remember, you know, and then, uh, eventually pro- progressed to some compound stuff. And I'd shoot in a, like a local club here as a teenager and stuff. And then eventually, um, started out mostly using archery as uh extending the hunting season really mm-hmm. you know accessing some of the archery only seasons and and areas and then just fell in love with it eventually you know had some success with that and then eventually started kind of leaving the gun at home and, and using it on areas where where a guy could use a rifle still so um I still do rifle hunt. I still really enjoy it. I, it's a great tool and, and it has its place and 
I'm definitely not against anyone rifle hunting, but yeah. just for now, it's just become something that I, I just love archery hunting so much that I'm okay not, you know, having a little bit lower success or whatever, just for the sake of, of having a chance with the bow and, and seeing the seeing the efficiency of this new equipment and stuff is pretty awesome, right? And yeah. We've come a long way, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, eh? How how good modern bows are. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was, you know, my going back to my first the first uh bow that I actually hunted with, you know, it was all brass pins and I'd <laughs> go to the local hobby shop and try and grab some like glow in the dark paint and put a little bit of paint on my different brass pins so I could identify what pin was what. And, <laughs> and no containment rest so you're trying to draw and your arrows falling off and, oh, and wow. aluminum arrows every time you look turn around your arrows bent so you're trying to straighten your arrow and yeah it was we're pretty spoiled now for sure yeah no kidding no kidding um yeah. so to give folks some context context you and i became buddies through ronnie um kind of since i started hunting ronnie always talked about his uh his prince george rock stars and when the when the yearly text messages would come in from ronnie he would always show me and i was like who are these guys and like it's like caribou with bow elk by bow everything by bow and uh i'm like who, who are these guys they do anything but hunt <laughs> yeah no that's right uh ronnie's a you know a great mutual friend i've known ronnie for a lot of years now and that guy he can say what he wants but that guy's an absolute killer of his own right oh yeah i don't need to tell you that he's a he's a great guy actually the the first stone sheep I ever killed was with Ronnie on a hunt way back, way back then, you know, mm -hmm. so it's pretty, pretty neat thinking about some of those stories too. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It, it's, you know, it, it's funny how in hunting, um, stuff always kind of comes full circle, you know, you hunt with people and then next thing, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing with other people, like, like helping them out. Right that's right totally yeah yeah it's so, cool i'd love to and it is a small community too right for sure oh yeah yeah the the community of of guys that are good guys that want to help each other be successful um you know it exists it's cool when you first start hunting you're you're like i like i mean everybody on the podcast knows i started hunting as an adult and you spend a you spend a great deal of time trying to figure out where to start and then if you're fortunate enough to have a uh a ronnie or a chris or a daryl or whoever you know in your life then you kind of get to um you get to augment the process a bit with other people's knowledge right yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I wasn't exempt from that either by any means. I had mentors that even if I didn't, you know, necessarily go on the hunt, I'd go over for coffee with them. You know, some of those old timers that, you know, never will be on social media or anything like that, just to sit back and listen to those guys and, and hear those stories, right? It, it's just, it gives you a, a fire for sure. And, and that was definitely, you know, the motivation for myself to you know move move away from the 
you know, get into some of the more of those like adventure hunts, right? That mm-hmm. kind of backpack, you know, whatever. Just reading stories and talking and hearing that, it was just like, oh man, I got to do that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of, that's sort of how I got into hunting in the first place too, is just hanging out with Ronnie and working with him and, and uh, hearing the stories. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I'd love to hear about that first stone sheep hunt that you went on. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, so yeah, it was one of those scenarios where we we're exactly that where, where I was, just talking about, I, I had a, a an uncle of mine, uh, a great uncle, I guess he'd be, and he was, his knees were blown out and he was getting older and we just went over there one day, my brother and I, and, you know, we were, what well, we lacked in experience, we definitely made up for an enthusiasm, right? So mm-hmm. he kind of came up to us and he says, hey guys, like, I'm going to give you guys some stuff and show you some stuff that I've hunted. You know, this is way back in the seventies kind of thing. And he said, I'm going to show you some stuff. And, you know, you, if you're ever interested in like stone sheep or whatever, this is a good area or whatever. And, and my dad had actually done a couple stone sheep hunts in, in the seventies as well. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So he didn't have, you know, as much success, they did get, I think they did get a ram or two. He didn't personally, but you know, with his group, but mm-hmm. his areas were, or wasn't as like, I don't know. It just didn't seem something that I was that interested in. But then we heard these stories from this uncle of ours, of these massive rams and all this other stuff. So, you know, he kind of gave us some X's on the map. And then um, at the same time we had a, I knew Ronnie and, uh, you know, we'd see each other every once in a while and he would tell us about his sheep endeavors and, uh, and he was, he'd already killed a ram. So it was, you know, amazing. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. He's showing us photos back then. Right. And telling us stories. And then we started talking and, you know, you're, sheep info is pretty you're pretty tight lipped but we started both opening up a little more and a little more and before you knew it we realized that we literally had the exact same info like <laughs> like literally the to the raw kind of thing right so then we said well if we both know this and whatever like let's do this so we planned a, a hunt like the next year the three of us actually went mm-hmm. and uh john we, went too right yeah, John Epp, Ronnie, yep. and myself. And uh, so we went in there, and, and uh, I think we had two weeks or something in there. And, uh, you know, pocket full of tags, but sheep was really, you know, the thing we were interested in. And uh, we went up, and uh, I actually killed around. I can't remember how it all worked with who got order of what, but seeing some rams, and we just kind of we went up this draw and things happened really fast on that one. We luckily we'd, he was a very distinct, he's just a small ram broomed on one side. So we were very familiar with what he was and what he looked like. And he was quite a ways over the nose, even though he's a tight young ram. Um, so we knew him pretty well. We actually ended up bumping him in the straw, you know, same old thing where you're probably in too good a shape. You're moving too fast and you should not glass and moving too fast and bump this, this band. And they ended up kind of blowing up and stopped to look back. And 
And uh, a few shots later, you know, I had my ramp, so that was amazing. So we ended up going back, regrouping, went back to the the base camp, and then uh, you know went back even farther than Ronnie had ever been. We ended up going into kind of where my intel showed a little bit more. Like Ronnie hadn't really explored that area, but that's where my intel said, you know, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. So we went into another valley and man, it was amazing. We got into quite a few rams there and Ronnie ended up killing a beautiful, beautiful ram, like just a flaring, just amazing ram. So yeah, we ended up getting two on that trip and that was literally, I think that was my second stone sheep hunt or something like that. So it was, uh, I didn't really know what we had or anything at that point. Right. It's just like, Oh yeah, you just, and I go up there and kill a ram. I don't know what the big deal is, <laughs> but <laughs> found out later they're not always like that. That's for sure. Yeah, that's funny. That's yeah. super funny. Oh man, that's awesome. That's a wicked story. Yeah, Ronnie's told me that story too about uh, you guys having the uh, the same uh, the same info on that area, and uh, and uh, when you guys came to realize it, that's that's too funny. I've had that happen too with uh, yeah with with buddies in different country, and then actually a buddy with a, a black tail spot that uh, I was working. He, uh, he, uh, he started showing me photos of deer that I had recognized. I was like, oh, geez. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I can say anything. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. Why yeah. do I have photos of that buck too? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I, I like, I don't have any photos of them. So I know they're not in the exact same zone, but I know they're neighboring. It was pretty funny. And, uh, oh, yeah. We've, I've had that same thing with local deer here for sure. Everyone, there's not a ton of deer, so all the good ones, lots of guys have photos of, right? So, oh, yeah. You'll, you'll, yeah That's it's a, a sad day when you see a field photo with your buck in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Wacey talks about that in Alberta, eh? Because he's on, um, I don't know how many acres they're on there, but he he's on private land there. And uh, he said in Alberta, like guys post photos on Instagram of a good deer or whatever. And like people will figure out where it is from the photo and, uh, you know, hunt the neighboring property and stuff like that, because everybody knows where you are if you're hunting your own land. Right. Yeah, I know. That's it's crazy. But I know that stuff definitely is happening for sure. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild, but uh, yeah. So from there, uh, stuff kind of evolved with you pretty quickly. I mean, uh, I think pretty quickly, anyways. I see I see a pile of different animals here that you've uh, gone and chased. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, you know the sheep bug bit for sure. There's you know no denying that it's still bit and stuff. But man, I just we live in such an amazing province that we have like i just i go on these rabbit trails of i gotta get a caribou or i gotta get or i gotta get an elk or sheep or you know it's just amazing and so i've definitely you know you know had the privilege of hunting a bunch of different stuff in dc and and uh so 
you know, and, and having a family now and stuff, I don't have an abundance of time. So I kind of got to choose, okay, mm-hmm. am I going to do a sheep hunt this year or this, or am I going to, you know, try and go after a caribou or whatever. So yeah, the last few years I've definitely been, you know, trying a bunch of different critters and yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just such a, such a blast. It's, everyone asks, well, what's your favorite animal to hunt? And I, you know, I heard one of the big wig, uh, you know, famous hunters say whatever I'm hunting at the time. And that's kind of me, right? Like I just, if it's black bear or, or goat or sheep or caribou or deer, you know, I just, it all has its, its, uh, unique thrills and, and challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No kidding. It, it's, I'm, I often am talking about that on the podcast, but how lucky we are here in in BC with so many different different things to chase. Um, was twenty fifteen your first caribou? Uh yes, I believe it would have been. Yeah. Nice. Is that a so, rifle? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a rifle one. Yeah, so that was that was, you know, being on sheep hunts and seeing legal bulls and just never pulling the trigger because I'll do it another day. And 2015, 2014, I sit on a, a wildlife committee here for a local like wildlife conservation organization. And oh, cool. what's that called? So, uh, Spruce City Wildlife. Oh, so cool. it's a member of the BC Wildlife Federation. And so we're, yeah, it's pretty neat. We're involved in some season proposal stuff and all kinds of grassroots stuff and and um so i you know you're kind of in in meetings with some of these bios and a a friend of mine was one of the bios here for a while and um so you kind of hear rumblings of the caribou thing Mm -hmm. before it really made the main thing so main media so it was one of those things that we said you know what guys like this could be, this could, I just don't trust the government decision or science-based modeling at all. So we, if we're going to do this, let's do this now. So we went out and I had my bow with on that hunt and uh, it was actually a, yeah, it was kind of, we didn't get to the lake that we wanted to fly into there. So we ended up having to walk a long ways and uh, um we we had bows and rifles and we were just kind of alternating and i ended up rifling that one. Oh yeah and yeah it was great great experience and everything and then and then it was one of those well i got one with the rifle now what let's uh let's try and up this with a bow so <laughs> chasing those everyone thinks caribou are dumb or whatever and and to a certain degree i think they are but um man try and chase one with a bow and that is that has got to be one of the most challenging animals in BC to actually successfully take with the bullet arrow. I think. Yeah, uh, no kidding. It's just there's no rhyme nor reason of what they're doing, when they're doing it, why they're doing it. For they're just always moving. The only um, the only ones we've actually killed with a bow, we finally got them to, to bed for any amount of time, and then we're able to move in on them. But mm-hmm. most of the time, they're just you know in in bigger herds moving around and trying to get in on lots of times there is only one legal bull in the herd or whatever and he's never the right one in the right position and <laughs> but man that that's what makes them so fun they're just amazing to, to hunt yeah that's a that's a big fear of mine that uh the caribou hunt goes away before 
I get to kill one. And, and even more so now with, with hosting Wacy here in BC, I'm scared they're going to go limited entry before, before he gets a chance at them too. So. Yeah, no, I know. Like I said, that was 2015 when we, when we were already feeling that. And, and I mean, there has been changes come down since then. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, you know, obviously we're still able to hunt the majority of the populations, but, and I'm not against at like stuff changing when it's, when science says that absolutely. But um, it's just, you know, we could have a grizzly grizzly hunt 2.0 on our hands here too. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things, right? It seems to spin, spin wildly out of control when, when stuff like that starts getting momentum. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. You guys got to get on that. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, <laughs> well, we'll see. We're going to be not far from some caribou country on this, uh, on this next hunt here. So, yeah, you bet. Maybe maybe we scoot down down the highway a little ways and see if we can't hike in. But yeah, that's pr- that's probably a an offline conversation. Yeah, yeah, we can discuss that at a different time. <laughs> <laughs> so so what 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 as a guy that's you know taking caribou, goats, sheep, moose, deer. I mean, you're crossing a lot of stuff off the list here. What's uh what what is what turns your crank these days like what 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 keeps you up at night when you're thinking about the fall right now um the last couple years i've been on the rabbit hole of elk and uh it's been pretty awesome i'm i'm definitely the guy that um that absolutely loves moose hunting it's one of those things that you know, moose are always just, you just come up and just shoot it from the truck and, you know, uh, it's kind of an overrated look down upon species in my opinion. But man, when you start, especially when we started archery hunting them and interacting and calling them in and, and living in the, you know, central BC, um, that's kind of what we had. So I definitely cut my teeth, you know, learning wind and, and rut activity and all this stuff with moose and so i never really i just was having so much fun with that that i didn't really put that much time or effort into elk so the last few years we've you know started doing that and and the family just just like devours the elk meat so <laughs> it's it's an easy sell to go go for a weekend or whatever to try and cut a tag on an elk and obviously they're you know they're just a riot to hunt as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. And then right now, uh, this year it's going to be, I'm going to try and kill an archery goat. That's, that's my, uh, that's on my bucket list right now. So nice. Yeah. I think you're, you're going the same time as us, the end of August, right? Yeah. I think things have moved a little bit. I think we're going kind of more mid, like, mid-august now we don't even have our dates totally settled yet but <laughs> well uh, things, we ended up scrambling a bit things change a bit with some draws and stuff but yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah that's cool you're you're going with your are you going with your brother no my i'm going with uh well i was supposed to go with uh, one of our good hunting buddies 
and uh, and we had everything pretty much dialed. And then he actually pulled a bison tag, Whew. so he's kind of limited for time off. So he he had to pull the pin on that. So I'm actually going with another friend of mine who lives out west. Um, he's actually never killed a goat, so I'm going to take him. With the, he's going to bring a rifle, and I'll bring my bow, and hopefully we can get him his first goat. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean the 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 first goat um thing seems like when you're looking at it um from having not killed a goat or maybe have not being in that much goat country it seems like it's an impossible task when you think goats you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's like everything that you watch about goats is like they live in the steepest nastiest places you have to be crazy to do this yeah and, and then uh and I, I don't know and then you get into goat country it's not so bad Oh, you broke up for a second. Oh, sorry. I was saying, and then you get into goat country and it's not so bad. Yeah. And you know what? Like in my experience anyways, there's definitely spots where you're just not getting right. So sometimes you're just sitting there and you'll watch, watch a goat for, that's the thing. If you got some time, you know, generally they don't move a ton, but they will, you know, lots of times that, that nasty, gnarly, like absolute death, kind of stuff there isn't necessarily a ton of good feed there so you know lots of times they will hang out there but they will make their move and go into some you know greener pastures or you know they might get into a little green bowl or whatever and that's your chance so mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a waiting game and you don't need to do anything stupid to, to kill a goat that's for sure yeah i um I yeah, have spent a lot of time in the last year while we've been planning planning our goat hunt here, looking at you know success photos of guys in the region that have killed goats, and there's a lot of goats that are not in the cliffy stuff when you look at the success photos. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, you bet. So yeah. that, that, some of them might have rolled down there though. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That's just like me on the way down when I trip. It, yeah yeah well we've all been there Uh (laughs) let's hope not eh yeah (laughs) that's awesome so um (laughs) i'm just picturing myself you know rolling up with a ball in the fetal (laughs) position rolling down and on yeah (laughs) oh that's awesome um that's that's wicked so um what uh what are you shooting for a bow right now so yeah right now i'm uh <laughs> i'm i'm still shooting a, a carbon spider a hoyt carbon spider so Wicked. you know 20 2014-15 kind of vintage um i just yeah for the the temperature and the climate that i seem to be hunting in a lot that carbon riser is just a, a game changer for me yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just become like an old friend. Right. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I've shot a lot of bows since then and I just, yeah, I have, I haven't seen a need to up, upgrade since that. Um, and yeah, no, it's been a great bow. It's, uh, 
<laughs> don't plan on changing it anytime soon anyways so. yeah you and i have talked bows quite a bit and you were like what do you think of these new bows and i was like i don't know i've shot carbon spiders i don't think they shoot any better like yeah it's funny that the archery thing's hilarious how the 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 year the yearly bow comes out at like it's gonna be a a huge uh a huge leap oh lots of times you know you're picking up one or two feet per second or or a little more you know a little more brace height or whatever and it's funny because you know it's it yeah you know instantly your one-year-old bow is becomes worthless and (laughs) and these things are i think i don't think people realize like some of these bows they're they're worth more than than a medium and rifle you know we're not even talking budget rifle some of these things are oh yeah over two thousand dollars for a bow that that in two three years is almost worthless it's just hilarious whereas you buy a rifle i mean really you could you can sell that for what you paid 10 years from now almost right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um an interesting topic is like for a guy out chasing caribou sheep and goats what do you what's your what does your arrow setup look like um right now i'm shooting a uh uh 300 spine um gold tip air strike nice. i've gone back i've gone back to a 204 shaft um i've i went down the rabbit hole of the micro micro and for me that the insert system and everything just wasn't worth it. So mm-hmm. I've gone back to like a two Oh four. Um, I'm shooting, I don't shoot the factory aluminum insert. I buy a stainless insert. So that gives me some extra weight up front and some extra strength. Who makes um, the stainless insert that you shoot? I, the one I shoot is actually made by gold tip. It's, oh, cool. It, yeah. So, um, it, you know, it's, an extra cost for sure and everything, but I can get it right from gold tip. And nice. So yeah, I'm shooting that with the stainless insert and then I'm shooting a four fletch, shot, uh, four fletch on the back, nice. uh, just a smaller fusion vein on the back. So mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth to three and four and I don't know how much of a difference it makes really, but I, I have noticed it could kind of go a little bit lower profile and smaller then and a little bit quieter i think than a blazer three fletch so yeah that's where i've landed right now <laughs> i imagine some of those shots that you're taking uh, can be pretty wind heavy too right so maybe the lower yeah, profile exactly. Rain helps exactly try and keep that side side drift down a bit um yeah and then i think the biggest thing though for me as far as equipment and and all the stuff the biggest advanced that i found is the sites now with the with these slider sites like oh, yeah. i still do a ton of like spawn stock like call in encounters and thick stuff so i didn't want it i never wanted to go to a single pin like full slider but mm-hmm. now you know i custom build my full site with every color pin and every diameter pin i want and whatever. So I've landed, I finally landed on a four pin slider. So yep. I got pins to 50 and after that I can dial out to over a hundred. So yep. it's, if I'm jumping something or whatever and stuff happens fast at 43 yards, I can just grab a pin and go 
if uh you know on those long shots i mean anything over 50 yards in reality you you, you better have the time to to range and move a site and do all these things it's not a you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a long shot so the guy needs to to have to be able to hold dead on at whatever range is just amazing right on a yeah on, on those sliders yeah for sure i, I actually ran the few site the, the sorry i ran the same site a couple seasons ago um that that black gold i think mine was a three pin and i was using the center as my floating but i since built a uh, a five pin um spot hog slider and it's basically oh, yeah it's basically the same system i'm not sure if i like it better or worse than the black gold but okay they're both yeah. they're both good and uh yeah yeah no it's it's uh you're you're totally you're totally right man like i've been in a couple of situations like hunting in alberta where you know you're like okay i get close and then wind changes and they move 20 yards and can't get closer. And, you know, you, like you said, you got to make sure you have the time. Hey. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's super cool though. The, the, the technology in the bows now is pretty wild, but, uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I don't think, I don't think archery can be harder. Can it? <laughs> no, no. And if it was like, would you want to do it? I don't know. Well, you do, you and your, your stick bow guys. I mean, you, you take a thing that's basically impossible and make it like really impossible. Yeah. That's a whole rabbit hole. I've never gone down and I don't even know if I want to touch one of those. Yeah. You I'm know, scared, the- I'm scared. I might like it. You know what's funny about it too is since I really dove into the stick bow thing, I find shooting my compound a heck of a lot easier. Um, I believe that. Like I shoot that I shoot that stick bow to forty all the time. Like I'll run fifty arrows or sixty arrows through the day. Like shoot shoot. Well, I don't know however many ends that is, but you know shoot shoot like uh shoot like a 300 round on like a vegas three spot with the with the recurve and it's a nightmare right and then yeah. and then you're like oh, i'm gonna quickly shoot around with the compound and it's like okay this is awesome like this is just the <laughs> yeah. best and uh oh yeah and you know what sometimes that's the best training like that's what i found even with hunting in general um you know, once you, once I, anyways, once I started archery hunting and, and you didn't, you had to get close and you had to do this or that. And you found out kind of what you could get away with and, and what you just learned. So, or myself, I just learned so much from that, that it makes you a way better, better rifle hunter too. Right. So I don't doubt that shooting that stick bow is, is, uh, you know, it's totally going to help your proficiency as a compound shooter. Yeah, I think, I think it does for sure. I mean, uh, Ronnie was, Ronnie was laughing at me when we were, we're out mule deer hunting last year and we're like, I can't remember how many hundreds, many hundreds of yards away from a deer. I'm like checking the wind. He's like, what are you doing? We're going to cut 200 yards and shoot that thing. Let's go. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, Going man. through three wind checkers per hunt, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think I drive Ronnie crazy with that thing. He's he's helped me. He's helped me elk hunt a little bit, and I'm just like constantly on that thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a an experience thing, but I just uh, I'm I'm always paying attention to yeah. it now. Yeah. I'm the same way. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. So I, I bet, I bet hunting sheep with the bow, like, you know, you've got a few stones with the sheep, right? Or a few stones with the, uh, with the bow that you're probably doing some pretty big circles with, with, uh, to avoid the wind. Yeah. Um, definitely have, you know, um, definitely, Every I've only actually killed one stone with the bow, but every I've been on a, a few successful archery sheep hunts, and um, every time we kill a ram, we find it's very rarely like we see it and we go and kill it that day or whatever. It's like okay, it's there. This is wrong. That's wrong. This is you know, mm-hmm. and it's just a series of events that have to line up, and you need the ram to go in the right spot with the right terrain and the right wind and everything and when that's there um i'd actually say my our success rate on the stock is fairly high but only because we're only going on a stock when you know when it is going to be high success right Mm -hmm. rather than just blow them out we'll just sit on them for till the wind changes or till they come out of that that bowl or that cliff or that whatever and and when they get themselves in a bad spot for for them or a good spot for us then then you go right Mm -hmm. there's yeah but even yeah even then you know sometimes you're going the long way around for sure not the easiest way but the but the best way yeah what um what do you think the most challenging uh species here in bc is to hunt maybe for rifle and for bow what do you think for bow, like I say, I'm sure I'll take a lot of heat, but I, I honestly think caribou with a bow mm-hmm. um, is my experience. I mean, to get even a hundred yards seems to be fairly doable, but to to get right in on them and get in on the one you want and whatever. And I mean, everyone has stories of these things just staring at you at 20 yards or whatever. But man, when you when you when that's your only weapon and you're out there and whatever, it is it's a it's a good challenge mm-hmm. as far as rifle. Like I don't, I haven't spent a ton of time hunting bighorns for just because it is so competitive and whatever, but I'd have to think that's gotta be, that's gotta be it for rifle. I mean, yeah, you know, pretty high population of guys doing it and not a lot of legal rams and lots of foot races and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're a long way from from bighorns too, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things that I put in some some decent draws, and one of these days I'll get that and I'll transition in, into that. But I don't know. Like I say, I haven't hunted them a ton. I have I have been on a few hunts and stuff, but that that to me seems like it's got to be got to be the hardest. And and to be totally honest, like a, a mature a big scoring mule deer. I just think a mature mule deer in BC right now is, is a tough thing to to come across. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like, um, it's 
some of the areas that I hunt, it's even tough to get a, a mature mule deer on camera. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I worry about our mule deer for sure. It's, uh, it sucks. Cause it's probably one of the same thing. I, uh, man, I have a, I just love hunting mule deer. It's just, I, it's one of those things that I hope to do for a long, long time, but man, the way things are going with that too, I just hope that, that we can figure out what we need to do to, to help those guys out. Cause we're sure not on a good trajectory right now. That's for sure. No. Yeah. How do you, uh, uh if, okay. Million dollar question. Um, if, uh, if you were the province and you were, you were, uh, king of the world, king of British Columbia, how would you, uh, how would you go about changing that? Mule deer? Yeah. Oh man. Um, I do, I mean, I'm so torn on this one because I do know how much, like the one, the one area I can speak fairly, you know, fairly accurately on in my experience is the peace country. And I saw the 2007 die off the winter kill happen Mm -hmm. and we have never, ever recovered from that. And so I do realize how weather dependent we are in BC, but I do think that um, shooting does and some smaller bucks for extended periods of time when the herd is hurting, isn't probably the best thing as far as building a herd. Um, I'm all for, you know, when a population able to sustain that great but at the same time i realize that you know i don't think the numbers that are that the hunter harvest isn't that's not the problem and i hate pulling the the only you know the hunting lever because it seems like the only one that the government wants to change so i think we have you know some major habitat issues and stuff as well mm-hmm. um but i don't know like you look at you look at the mule deer basically you know, in North America and yeah, there's some populations that are doing well, but on in general, they're not doing great. So it, it's not, I don't know. I don't know what the smoking gun is. And, you know, I read you, you can, everything you read is a different explanation for mm-hmm. it, right? Yep. Like we've, we've all read the same stuff and seen the same things and whatever. And I don't know. I, I just, I struggle with that too. Cause it seems like, you know, at the end of the day, we can, there's areas that are closed to hunting and the population still not doing well. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it certainly isn't over hunting, but I think sometimes, you know, hunting the wrong demographic or the wrong age class or sex within the herd at the wrong time, maybe, you know, a little bit more micromanaging that maybe at certain times. And then, um yeah some habitat issues and 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 wildlife collisions with vehicles i mean and trains and stuff like this like we've we've changed the you know the infrastructure of the province some of these migration routes Mm -hmm. so much that like you know and some of these winter range areas these things are just getting clobbered so yeah you know that's not helping either so yeah, it's it's interesting too, and I, I like to ask that question, and I like to ask that question to um, 
uh, about any species of wildlife, and I like to I like to pose that question to hunters like me, and I like to pose it to biologists and non-hunters and see what everybody says. Right? Um, I I also don't know the right answer, but it's really easy for us as hunters to say, oh, the issue is the seasons, right? Because it, it plays into our hand a bit, and maybe uh, maybe there's many of us that would probably like to see that October any buck season go away or maybe get rid of some doe seasons or some cow seasons and stuff like that right um yeah um but then like you read you know you read these books from you know the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s like I mean um what is it uh that hunting high country mule deer, one of those Eastman's books, he he ends the book by saying, well, go do this stuff while you can, because we're putting houses on all the winter migration corridors here in, I think he's in Idaho or Montana or something like that. And he's like, that's yeah. how the book ends. He's like, yeah, he's like, that's a wrap, folks. There's not going to be high country alpine mule deer because that we're the the critical habitat they need to make it through the winter we're using, right? And then, yeah. uh, you know, you go you go back to the '60s and the '70s, and you read those, you know, British Columbia caribou ranching ranching books, you know, and read those stories, and you hear the stories about. Um, them trying to ext extend grazing leases into the Alpine. And then you hear the stories about them, uh, you know, lobbying for extended moose seasons so that they, there's more carrying capacity on the land for cattle and stuff like this. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like public enemy number one back in the day um, was grazing associations versus BC wildlife foundation when BC wildlife foundation came to be right. It's like when you start, when you start really digging into the, the cause of, you know, what's hurting wildlife the most, it's like, uh, I don't think you could put your finger on one thing. I think it's. No, it's definitely not a single, single issue. It's a, it's a multifaceted you know, issue. There's no doubt mm -hmm. about that. And, well, what do you think, Tyler? What's your, what's your opinion on what would, what would Tyler do if, <laughs> if he could, uh, make some changes? If I was king of BC, um, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think that's a, a, a really, I think it's, I think first of all, it's a loaded question. Um, I don't know if there's a correct answer at this point, you know, exactly. Um, because like economically we rely on the industry here in BC. Um, but like if, if, if you, if, if you had to try to, if your if your sole focus was, was uh, game species, you would just be like, okay, let's pause all industry and um, pause all industry. And, um, and, you know, maybe reduce some hunting opportunity and see what happens. Right. That that would be like that would be like what you would do if you lived in a vacuum. But we don't. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know, like like <laughs> the I think as hunters, we always go to let's do some predator management, some hardcore predator management in areas where there's been, you know, these highways cut into the landscape by uh 
oil, gas, and logging, and then let's maybe, you know, maybe let's not give out some cow and calf moose tags and cow elk tags and maybe let's not open doe seasons but then on the flip side of that you see places with the population that is rocking like southern alberta northern montana stuff like that and then you get on the other end of the spectrum where you get crazy cwd numbers right yeah Um, yeah i know so i i think i think like um you know, there's that saying in life, you know, what can be measured can be managed. And I think having a measured population of all these different species um, gives our biologists the ability to manage it. Right. Um, and I think that gets taken away from them. I think they get the tools taken away from them by, you know, politics and people's um, personal ethos get in the way when oh we don't want you to kill grizzly bears or we don't want you to kill wolves you know it sort of it sort of hamstrings biologists right so to answer your question i don't know (laughs) yeah but uh i don't know it's just it's one of those issues where i think i i think we could look to places that are doing really well and have really good populations of you know this or that right um yeah. I mean, Alberta just came out with their uh Alberta just came out with a whole bunch of extra tags for for does. Um I think it's something like every resident, I think I don't quote me on this because I just I just kind of had a off the cuff conversation with my buddy who is very um regulation interested like in all of North America. He he's actually great dude and i'm gonna have him on here soon again uh my buddy cole but uh yeah i think it's like you can you can take four white tails one buck two does and i think most areas are getting um two mule deer doe tags on a draw as well as the standard mule deer tag so like i think in a lot of the province i think you'll be able to take six deer oh yeah and uh um he he is stressing um he's a alberta resident and uh he's like that's gonna be a wrap on the good days of deer hunting in alberta right so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there and it'll be interesting to see if those regulations change as time goes on but it's like a lot of those areas have proposed deer calls anyways for cwd right and all they do is ship them or shoot them from you know a helicopter or higher sharpshooters and then they just they they pull the heads off to send them in for can't remember the word but they check the head and then uh they push the rest into a pit right it's very sad yeah yeah totally um but like the the i think the 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 you know the prevalence of cwd in those areas is pretty wild um but again i mean i think there's quite a few places in the u.s that have had cwd for 30 years and their populations are doing pretty good so Uh I, i don't know it's interesting times yeah absolutely oh man so (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, I normally end these things. I spent a good deal of time talking there about that, but uh, I normally end these things with, you know, um, 
if there's one thing you could change about hunting or or what do you think the biggest threat to hunting is but we kind of already did some doom and gloom stuff just now (laughs) yeah so i'd say um i already asked you kind of what keeps you up at night but what are you what are you most excited for in the coming years is it getting your kids out hunting is it uh you know, maybe some new adventures, maybe hunting outside of BC. What are you most excited for in the future here, Chris? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say at this point, um, at this point, I, you know, I want to try and do some, maybe some U S stuff a bit, some deer elk or antelope type stuff for myself. Personally, I got some, you know, starting to apply to some states and stuff down there. Cool. Um, and then, but in reality right now at this stage, I got a nine year old and a seven year old boy, boys who just like can't get enough of shooting bows and fishing and hunting and I love it. all that stuff. So I've, I've had the blessing of, of shooting a couple deer in the blind with them right in the blind with me and, and, you know, caught, shot a couple black bear with them right there with archery and, uh, and recovered some moose and stuff like that. So that's, it's just been an absolute riot seeing this journey that we're on right now with them. And, and, uh, my nephew, uh, my nephew, my brother and his are, are really good buddy their boys were 10 and 11 this year. So we, we've got both of them on some just beauty black bears, their first black bears. So I think for now, like for me, yeah, it's going to be a great couple of years of, of, um, you know, guiding them to some, <laughs> you know, helping them make some mistakes and learn some lessons. And, and you know, it's just going to be a good time, good time to, to be a dad and to, to follow them around for a while. So that's probably in reality, that's, that's on my, uh, you know, that's down the sights for me, which I can't wait for. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. No I kid. think you're in a similar situation too, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. My, my kids are youngest. My, my eldest will be five in October five in October here. Um, they're younger. Yeah. So I got a ways to go, but she, uh, my eldest, just all she wants to do is be in the woods. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. It's fun. It's fun to make little people yeah. that want to hang out with you. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's been a blast seeing them and, and then getting them out, like helping them, getting them to track an animal or do this or do that. Just, it's told. it's funny because you, you've done, you do it for so long and then you kind of lose the, the awe of a lot of it. Right. So you take them out and the stuff that they pick up on or notice or see or smell, or it's just, it's just amazing. Right. It just takes you back to, wow. Like I've, I don't even really look at that or think about that anymore. Or, and, and these are all things that are just like huge for them or they're, they're learning about whatever, or seeing something that you've seen a million times or, Mm-hmm. you know just just taking them out grouse hunting right it, it's yeah been, it's been so fun to you know hear see them you know we're out there we go after work or whatever and we go try and shoot a few chickens and it's, it's just a riot so. yeah no kidding we yeah. uh <laughs> i take my eldest on the trail cam circuit all the time and she's just stoked on it you know yeah oh yeah 
yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll crowd it over the phone when you're downloading the photos to see what's on there. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, although if there's flowers wherever we are, it's game over. She's running off picking <laughs> flowers, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, yeah. that was a uh, that was a real quick hour. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, and I uh, look forward to sharing hunting camp with you this fall. Yeah, sounds good, Tyler. I can't wait, and let's uh, we'll stay in touch for sure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you want to support the podcast, please check out the gear on our website at wildernesslocals.net. 